Welcome to the Support Automation Show, a podcast by Capacity. Join us for conversations with leaders in customer or employee support who are using technology to answer questions, automate processes, and build innovative solutions to any business challenge. I'm your host, Justin Schmidt. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Justin. How are you? I am just splendid. Where does this podcast find you? I am in Long Island, New York, so I'm about 45 minutes outside of Manhattan. Love it. We have three or four salespeople on our team are out there in New York, and throughout my career, I go out there probably once or twice a year for various reasons, and you know, I haven't been since the world sort of shut down a little bit, but I would love to get back to New York. There's nothing like it. How's it? Is it city waking up out there? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's you know, it's still interesting. We've got different regulations in place and I think that they're becoming a little bit more strict. I think we kind of laxed on some things for a while and now they're dialing that back. So a few different mandates in place, but it is nice to just see people back in the city and especially with the holidays. I mean, there's nothing more magical than New York during the holiday oh, season. And so it's been great to just see tourism back up and people around the tree and just celebrating. And so, you know, despite everything else, which I think the world is now navigating uh, different different extents everywhere, but it's nice to just see New York kind of come to life again. Oh, I love it. So why don't we start off with a little, little background, catch us up to your path to where you are now with client success. So maybe a little background on yourself and what is client success and, and what is it doing? I'm going to give you the very condensed version because my, my journey seems long and daunting. I spent the first decade of my professional career in marketing, specifically digital marketing. And as a subject matter expert, transitioned into working for a, a SaaS company called Bright Edge, where I was focused on SEO and managing programs with our customers through our platform. So I actually spent the most recent decade as a customer success leader at various hyper-growth SaaS organizations, where my remit is always responsible for, you know, building, scaling, and transforming customer success, which in many cases often includes support, consulting, onboarding, implementation. So various uh, roles and functions across the different businesses that I've been a part of. And then most recently, I am the vice president of customer success at Client Success. And Client Success is a customer success management software. So we help companies basically operationalize their customer success process through our solution. So really standardizing their practice and making sure that their customers are getting what they need through the partnership. Very, very cool. It's always interesting to me when I talk to people on this show to see the roads to where they're at. And it's very seldom a sort of straight line where, you know, I got my degree in marketing and I started off as a junior associate at a marketing firm. And now I'm a, you know, I mean, there's always some sort Be of fun either, right? <laughs> well, I mean, we are the product of our experience and the life that we lead, you know, it's a cumulative impact on who we are at any given moment. And, you know, it's particularly interesting these days and we're going to, I think we're going to touch on this a little bit, I think in the conversation, because it's, it's a global theme that typically comes up, but there are, life is so multifaceted and the amount of just things you have to be aware of to sort of navigate the world, I think necessitates a sort of a broad base of experience. And this sort of hyper connected, lots of distraction, lots of information overflow is also something that professionally we have to manage, whether it's with marketing, managing customers, sales, 
hell, even engineering, right? And product design to, to, to build something that fits in these worlds. So diversity of background helps manage the diversity of stimulus that we have as people. And I think that as the world continues to change, we're going to continue to leverage the diversity of background to, to manage those expectations and make the world manageable. So the best place to start this conversation, I think, is always with a simple question. And that is when you hear the words support automation, what does that mean to you? Oh, gosh. It, well, first of all, I feel like there's more feelings than there are words. Very interesting. Um, when, I hear, when I hear support automation, just because I, I feel like it could be really good and it can go really wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So I think about it when I hear support automation, I think about really streamlining and simplifying the processes to support our customers in a way that would otherwise require human intervention. And so that feels like a very, a very like clinical <laughs> definition. But, you know, when I, when I think about it from a feeling standpoint, right, I think it excites me and it also terrifies me. Yeah. And so I think that's why I am evoked with emotion more than words. Yeah. And why do you think people find the concept of automation scary? And as a follow-up to that, how can leaders manage the implementation of some sort of automation into the work function to sort of make it less scary for people? You know, I think the fear comes from just folks thinking the worst possible outcomes, right? How, right. What, what could possibly go wrong? And then I think people get stuck there. And I think that's the challenge is when you're stuck behind these fears of the what ifs. And, you know, I think that's something that folks are, are trying to navigate. And when I talked about it, exciting me. I mean, I think about the human capital that's required to manage the customer base that we have from a technical standpoint right now. And if I can give those folks hours back, days back and enable them to do things that are more pro proactive and help really lean in to support our customers in a more strategic way, heck, why wouldn't I do that? And so those are the things that I think support the what's possible, breaking through the, you know, the fear of, well, what if this happens? Right. Very interesting. So when we were going back and forth before we booked the show, one of the things that you suggested we talk about was automation in a high engagement model and using technology to complement your efforts. This is a particularly interesting concept to me because I think it touches on some of the high touch world we live in that I was kind of referring to earlier, but it also gets into some of the feeling and softer stuff that you were talking about with why people find automation scary sometimes. So I'd love if you could just double click on, on what you meant by automation, a high engagement model and how tech can complement those efforts. Absolutely. So we'll use both customer success and customer su support to kind of talk through this narrative. But the reality of it is, is that there are technologies and there are companies that require us to have a high level of engagement with our customers in order to help them achieve the outcomes that they intend to with, through the partnership, right? So they buy your technology to do X, they might need more guiding and support in order to achieve that. And so that would require a higher level of engagement. It could be because they are a big company. It could be because you're product is very complex and configurable. But whatever the reasons are, you're going to have a staffing model that might suggest that maybe you're acting as an extension of your customer's team. Mm. You might be meeting with them on a weekly or, or daily even some, right, basis where there is that high level of conversation and engagement and participation. Now, where I think technology really lends itself well is there are a lot of things that happen 
in that level of, in that engagement model that don't need to be driven by a human, right? right? And so when I think about creative ways to introduce automation, it's to remove the administrative burden and to you know, give my team and my resources more time to do the work that's going to drive value for my customers and reduce that burden that can be automated, right? So if it's a follow-up email, if it's some automated response, if it's a campaign that's going out sharing information, those would all be examples of things that would complement the efforts in a high engagement model, don't require human intervention. They don't require a human to do it. And if you rely on that, again, it's it's how you're distributing your time and resources. So I think automation empowers us to do better work faster. Yeah, it does. And what's always interesting to me is that when you implement those time or convenience saving measures, and is one way to kind of look at it, you're going to give people two things that are extremely valuable in the client customer relationship. One of them, and most obvious is you're, you're going to give them a fast, convenient experience, right? And like, that's ultimately what we're here for is that we want to make sure that the people who are paying us money to leverage our product are having the best possible results with it. But on the other hand, too, if you can free up more time for your customers and they're spending less time dealing with the same thing over and over and over again, you're going to give them bandwidth to then create something new and push the ball forward in whatever it is they're doing. And that's incredibly powerful for me. And it's something that, you know, and we're kind of professionally both sort of trying to do this, both, you know, capacity and client success here, where we want to make our customers CSAT scores higher, right? Like, obviously, like, I'd love every CSAT score of, of our customers to be high, but we're really doing our job when our customers' customers are happy, right? Um, and as you get these hops away from where you can control and drive value and you're sort of increasing value, you know, further down the line, you're really making something special and automation and technology really enables that because without it, you really have to leverage these sort of one-to-one -one interactions. And it's just really hard to do that at scale. So when you look at the adoption of technology and, and automation and AI and all this other stuff that's kind of coming into the customer success, customer support world. What do you think has been the most impactful in the last five, six, seven years you've seen it? And then what is something that you think is was a great promise but never ultimately delivered? So I think that the thing that I've seen that has been very impressive and I think that has come to fruition more is I think more of the insights that are captured through AI and ML, right? I think being able to understand sentiment, right? I've seen a lot of technologies be able to understand and read and interpret communication through sentiment and then how people are communicating and using that language to really detect where there's risk and opportunity and points of intervention. And so I've seen that actually really transcend well into support and customer success and being able to have us proactively intervene in ways that we hadn't before, right? You don't have the ability to 
understand and interpret every single message that comes through. And not everyone reads and interprets things the same way. But when you do take advantage of technology in that way, you know, we've seen really amazing efforts from different solutions that we've used where we've seen and understood how our customers are feeling and how they're engaging and, and what are the signs based on what they're saying and the frequency and the cadence and all these things and using that data to really inform how we engage, what we do and how we drive our business forward. And so that is, I mean, that's just stuff we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise, right? I mean, I think there's, you know, even more time and more bodies probably wouldn't have resulted in the same impact that that has had for, for the, you know, the teams and organizations where I've operated. Things that I feel like haven't yet come to fruition. You know, I don't think that there is a, a fully automated experience, right? Like, I don't think that there is any experience that I've seen to date that doesn't require some level of human intervention, involvement, and engagement. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, you know, at least not well, let's put it that way. I think the experiences that I've had where I've been forced through engagements that have solely been automated have been frustrated and have caused more friction and done a disservice to me as a consumer and end user than if there was some human involvement at different points. And so being able to understand and interpret when interventions required and then mm. enabling humans to to do the job that they should be doing. So I don't feel like technology can solely replace 100% um, the things that, that humans can still deliver today. It can't. And the best it can do, and this is not a bad thing, this is a good thing. The best it can do is augment and enable the people that are doing the work to, to be in the position to be able to do their best work, right? You get a lot of advantage in having a frontline customer team, whether it's success or support, like fully present and not worn out and tired. And, you know, I always use this example, but like imagine the frontline customer support call center person for like a major retailer on you know, Black Friday or something, having to answer the same question over and over and over and over and over and over again. By the hundredth time you get that question, you might not be as chipper, so to, so to speak, to make that engagement, but you can leverage technology to help, you know, technology and just a good, you know, help center, um, support center section on the website, mitigate a lot of that and deflect a lot of that so that only the meatiest issues require uh, human attention. At client success, do you have customer support and customer success in the same team? We do. So I actually oversee our customer success, our technical support, our consulting arms. So all three of those functions roll up under me. And how do you manage the sort of workflow communication between those three? Because I, I would assume they're all, you know, they all kind of have a, a slightly different, but the same North Star, right? Yeah. So the big thing for us is just, yeah, obviously for keeping that communication flowing, there's a couple of ways that we do that. One is the democratization of data. So making sure that all information lives in centralized places where people have access to it, where they can understand it mm -hmm. um, and they can use it. And so that's really important for us. And whether that is all in one system, which I will tell you, we don't have everything that lives in one solution. Not even our platform can provide us with, you know, 
the level of consolidation that would be required because all these tools do provide value and insight in different ways. So just making sure though, you know, starting with the fact that all of our members of our organization have access to all of the tools and technology and access to the data and insights that are required to properly support, engage, and empower our customers. That would be the first thing. I think the second thing is we do treat the teams as we are part of one organization. I have been part of different groups where, you know, support wasn't under my remit and I would oversee customer success, but not support. And I kind of almost rolled up under a different leader. And that disconnect was almost, it was a bit of a disservice to our customers because there were things that were happening over in our team that weren't being shared outwardly and communicated early and often with those other functions. And so with our organization, I think the second thing that works really well for us is having one team acting together in harmony. To your point, we do have one North Star, how we get there by each function. We all have different ways to get there. But at the end of the day, operating together and having that same message being communicated always together has really served us well. I mean, I think we're all hearing the same things. We understand how we contribute in solving the problems that we have to, whether they be internal, organizational, customer related, whatever the case may be. While you are describing that, one thing that popped in my head, and I'm curious if this is true there, that probably gives that unified team and sort of everybody kind of rolling up to the same leader probably gives you a really great view and ability to then do the customer storytelling internally to product, marketing, sales, et cetera, that to, to just, you know, galvanize the rest of the company around the customer client successes, customer journey and, and the customers in that journey. And I would love it if maybe you could help me understand how you approach taking this, the data and the stories. And I don't mean stories in like a case study. I mean, the broader story of a customer's use and enjoyment and in areas of improvement with a product how you tell that story internally to the rest of the team over there at client success. Do you have, do you guys do like a standing meeting where you go over certain data points? Is it more kind of how you work with product is a little different than how you work with marketing? This is a very interesting topic to me because it's different at every single organization. I would love to hear how you all are tackling this. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that there's a few different opportunities that we have to tell different stories. There's the one that we share at the leadership level, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, our leadership stand-up meeting that we have every week, I'm required to talk about the different metrics that are powering the outcomes that my team is responsible for. And I think that that, a, a big part of it is having one, one metric, almost like, you know, kind of one line of metrics that each of these metrics support. Yeah. So if I'm responsible for customer experience, for example, right? And we measure that in different ways. How is customer success supporting the outcome of that measurement, that metric? How is support playing a part in supporting that? And so we're looking at all these different benchmarks of measurement in support of the same outcome. And so in the leadership meetings, right, that's how we're, we're talking about it, right? So what is this team doing to support that? What is this the other, other team doing to support it? How are we getting there? And so that's the first story that we're telling is just, you know, from just straight data, because at the end of the day, I and I can't disagree, we do feel like data doesn't lie. And so that there is some truth to be said about what we're seeing in the metrics. So we use that to really help us drive what's happening there um, at that leadership level. Now, the other conversations that we're having, we do our organizational town hall meeting every week. And so this is where we get away from really the metric-driven 
just data. And we talk about it through the lens of customer experiences and storytelling. And so we might select a couple of different customers where we've done really great things. And we talk about how success support and consulting have been a part and played a role mm. in the achievement of those things. And in other cases, we talk about major failures, right? And where our team failed to do those things. And it's, you know, it, it transcends through the metrics, but really into the experiences. And that's what we try to focus on is really what is that story telling us about the work that we're doing to support our customers more specifically. So that's been you know, those are two ways that we feel like we do that really well. And then listen, when we're dealing with cross-functional teams, there's insights and learnings. So when we're working with product teams, for example, you know, the conversations that we're having are going to lean in more heavily to product and what they need and what they care about. And so again, when we think about those stories, the narrative changes because of, you know, our audience and what they care about. So that's how we adjust accordingly. But I would say, you know, the big thematic thing that I like to emphasize is that everyone in our company always knows what's going on, mm-hmm. right? There are no blind spots for us because we do make sure that we are socializing and sharing information broadly and often. It's just making sure that we're sharing it the right way. And I think that's the big difference between all those, right? So with leadership, it's often very data heavy, very metric focused. With the organization, it is through the lens of storytelling that they can relate to where you don't have to be in our function to get what's actually happening here. And then when we think about partnering with cross-functional teams, whether that be sales, whether that be marketing, whether that be product or engineering, right? It's specific to what do those teams, how are we going to work together? How do those functions partner? And what's going to be important for them to listen to and learn from? I absolutely love, like capital L, love the concept of at the sort of the at the town hall with, the, with everybody there, you're always focusing on the storytelling because the customer facing teams in an organization, I don't think they give themselves enough credit for how powerful their evangelism is to the rest of the org. Like, you know, engineers like to build things. Marketers like to talk about things, right? The salespeople like to drive up their travel and entertainment um, expenses. <laughs> but <laughs> kidding aside, like the the engineers like to build things and then they want to know what they being that what they built is driving value and being used by people right like if you can keep them on board with the storytelling like it's it's a hard thing to do i've seen it just it's just a hard thing to do at organizations so the fact that you guys are leaning into this and taking the sort of you know let's just run through our whatever six or seven KPIs that that we'd normally run through in a just a pure data reporting type session instead like talking about hey so and so wanted to do x and we enabled them to do that and now they're off to y and they're asking us you know how we can help with that like that is incredibly powerful and if there's like one thing that i think people could take away from the last 20 or so minutes we've been talking and think instituting something like that would be it because it's a great way to create advocacy for the CS and CX sort of teams within companies. And that's, that's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, you know what, it's easy to do. And I'm shocked that a lot more teams don't embrace that. I mean, honestly, like we, we pick one customer every week and it's not a happy customer. Sometimes it's a, a customer that's very unhappy, yeah. right? It doesn't matter. We just pick a customer and we have the same framework that we use to tell that story, right? Who are they? What are they doing? What are they trying to do with us in partnership? What are they doing that's working well? What are they doing that's not working well, right? And so we do that and we give very concrete examples 
in that customer's business or, you know, operating model, because it's going to look different for everybody. And that's where I think everyone across the business has those aha moments where like you get it when you can tell it through a story. If I just said, Hey, they're not adopting XYZ feature because of, you know, whatever reason that doesn't, it doesn't substantiate to the, the right. story. Like it doesn't evoke the the understanding that the storytelling does. Yeah. I mean, I ask a similar question on a lot of these shows and I've not heard that response yet. So kudos to you guys for putting that kind of effort into it. It's very cool. When we think about what the future of automation and, and technology in CS and sort of the support and service side of, of and success side of, of everything, where, where do you, what, what excites you the most? Like what, coming down the pipe in in the world of in this world do you think has the most potential for changing things i feel like i get excited about a lot the potential for a lot of things i think the bigger thing for me is i want to like if i think of time as the the greatest currency right how do i give my teams back the time to do really thoughtful value based work for our customers. I want to eliminate all of the redundant tasks, all the busy work that both functions are responsible for because that administrative overhead almost makes up, I want to say like 60% on the customer success side of the work that we're doing. And imagine like 60% of the work that you're doing with customers being administratively driven. I want to be able to reduce and cut that in half. I want to be able to do more strategic, thoughtful work. I am seeing solutions that are providing more of that ability and whether that be through interesting technology that I've seen with certain companies being able to like take meeting notes, for example, right? Mm -hmm. You have these conversations with your customers, being able to capture all the notes from your call, identify what those next steps and actions are to then be able to record that, push it out, have it streamlined through your task management solutions. Like you've just given me an hour back from the task that would other be required from a meeting, right? I've got to do the follow-up. I've got to make sure that the next steps happen and all of that. So the memorialization of these conversations and then the, the follow-up and the next steps and the tasks that come out of it, wow, automating that, you've given me back something real. And so I see more and more technology pushing the envelope and, and really, I think, trying to understand where is all the time being spent and making that their barometer of success is saying, like, if we can give people time back so that they can go either reduce resources, right, from a business standpoint, you can spend less on headcount and that money could go into resources to go do other things that are going to be equally important to your business. But to then give the people that you do have in place the ability to go do better, smarter work faster, I, I think is super impressive. Now on the support side, you used the example earlier, right? Of that retailer who, you know, it's Black Friday and they've got the same question being asked over and over again, right? And oh my gosh, like just how daunting that must be to answer the same question a hundred times plus, you know, being able to just identify all those things. So what excites me there in the support world is really just that the machine learning around like what are people asking, what do they need? And then being able to provide that without human intervention. So more of that, and I think in a smarter way. And I think even the tools that I've, experience as an end user and a consumer, I'm seeing things be smarter and better uh, and engaged differently. So I'm hopeful that we'll see more of that in different applications and in different ways to help us be better. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the some of the transcription type technology. Shout out to uh, Otter AI. They're one of the one of the one of the big companies that does that. Um, from my point of view, it's interesting too because we're a Gong customer here at Capacity. We use Gong to record all of our sales calls and demos and stuff. And like, 
oh my goodness, it is just magical to go in there and like see the summary of objections and what competitors are mentioned most often and what context and be able to sort of do all that in like this browsable. Yeah, I, there's a lot of power in record keeping and using technology to to manage that. It definitely makes a huge difference. I'm going to switch gears on you just a little bit. But when you think about building a team for success, if you were to give a piece of advice to someone who's just getting into managing a customer success team, like they're they like they are like they are taking their first, you know, say director level or senior manager level job where they're, you know, they're really working on some process design and organizational design. What would be one or two pieces of advice you would give that person stepping into that role? Oh, I think the first piece of advice that I'd give is to be very methodical about mapping out the points of engagement that impact your customers, right? I, I feel like there is, when people think about like mapping out the, the engagement model or the experience map or whatever the case may be for their customers, it happens to be internal out and not external in, mm. right? So it's not with the, the customer in mind. It's always often with the company in mind and what are we trying to achieve and our objectives. And so the first thing I would think about is mapping it out reverse, right? What is the experience that you want your customer to have? And because this is what's going to help you to understand what are the things, what are those different touches or those points in time that require human engagement or things where you can start to think about automation and introducing technology to really help drive that forward. And so I've always, you know, tried to do that is what is the experience, the desired experience for our customers and then mapping out that entire journey. And that works to support success. It works to support support. It works to support consulting and implementation and onboarding and all the different various functions that might reside in a customer experience organization. And that to me has always been step one is just mapping that out, kind of putting that pen to paper to see what that looks like before I start to try to solve for these things. I love that. The, how'd you put it? When people usually do this, they do it from inside out rather than outside in. Yeah. Yeah. And to build that map from the customer's point of view. So do it outside in. That's, that's wonderful. This has been a fantastic conversation, Christy. I'm so grateful for your time. And I think we've covered some really interesting areas. And this is, this has been, this has been great. And I hope that as many people as possible listen to this, you're dropping some wisdom here. Let's close with, the, our, our sort of little quick fire round here. And before I begin, you know, it's it's worth the, the listeners knowing you also have a website, Keeping CS Simple, that is incredibly well organized. It's sort of chock full of actionable, useful things. You rounded up all sorts of communities and books and resources. You've got links out to, to good stuff. You've got great content you've created yourself. Really great resource for everyone in this space, I highly recommend uh, everyone check out Keeping CS Simple. I give that up front because I know you're going to be able to answer these questions very easily because a lot of them are covered on your website. But what's the book that you most often recommend to people? Okay, so this is just probably based off of the people that I'm speaking with and the conversations I'm having. But it's probably going to be the first 90 days by Michael Watkins. And it's just because the folks, like I said, the, the team is in the people that I work with and I inter, you know, like 
I say interview or meet with, they're often leaders who are starting new jobs, new roles, moving in, you know, moving up, moving into new organizations, especially now, right, with so many people taking new roles. So first 90 days, I feel like that's always been my guiding light, my Bible as I take on new roles, new organizations, and it's a friendly reminder of where I should start. So that's always a, that's a fan favorite of mine. That is a good one. I also noticed on your reading list on the website, you have one of my personal favorite business books of all time, which is The Hard Thing About Hard Things. The Hard Thing About Hard So it's so funny. That was going to be the one I was going to mention. I happened to have the first 90 days at my desk because I was just talking to someone about it. And I'm like, wow, I really do reference this book a lot. So that's so funny, though. That would have been my other one. <laughs> yeah, there, there's two books I recommend to people. One is The Hard Thing About Hard Things because a lot of business books don't talk about the shitty part about the job the way he does. And he and it's just very like, you get done, you're like, whew, okay. But like, it's, it's all good stuff. The other one I really like to recommend people is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. That book has changed my life. It's He discusses the battle against procrastination and mental blocks from an art artist's point of view, from specifically writing. But it's useful for everything from business to how to tackle, you know, social and relationship. It's just, it is just an amazing book. So I haven't read that. So I just wrote that one down. The so War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Add that to my yeah. list. Maybe I'll get that into my holiday reading. The last 25% of it goes slightly off the rails, but it like, you will never look at a daunting project or sort of writer's block or creative block the same ever again. It's great. What's the best productivity hack or tip you've ever heard and that you have folded into your practice? That one you don't have on your website. So that was, that was right. my... So now I've got to add a whole nother section on productivity <laughs> hacks. All right. So mine is probably one of my favorite tools that is like so underappreciated because it's so simple, but Boomerang in my Gmail. Oh my gosh. I send out a billion notes a day, a week, right? And I always forget to follow up. I have this quick, easy tool that just reminds me when I have to follow up. It sends things, it automates things. And so for me, my inbox management, that is a huge one for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it up to Boomerang for that. Yeah, shout out to Boomerang. That's one of the classic examples of something very simple, doesn't cost a ton of money, but like is great. You know what I mean? Like the impact of that, like, that's why I said, like, I didn't have a real, like fun, powerful, sexy tool to talk about, but like boomerang, like if I think about impact on my day to day, something that I feel like I really feel it's boomerang. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel about notion. Like we don't really use notion at capacity, but I do personally just manage all my everything. And I got, I love it so much. <laughs> I love it so much. If you could recommend one website, blog, Slack community, LinkedIn group, et cetera, for support and success leaders, besides keeping CS simple, <laughs> which would it be? All right. I'm going to recommend Gain, Grow, Retain as a customer success support CX community, just because I think that the team over there has done a great job bringing together thought leaders, as well as, you know, peers and, and community members to really share and ideate in a safe place where the information just flows freely and people share selflessly. So I think it's a great resource for anybody who's in this space or trying to break in. Yeah, I, I spoke to Jeff Brunsbach several episodes ago, 
Gingrich Gingrich team's fantastic. You yeah. you were involved in in yeah. the beginning of that too, weren't you? Yeah. So I was one of the founding members, and yeah. then Jay, Jeff, and I do a weekly podcast that we have as part of the series. But uh, yeah, so I love those guys. But more importantly, I think that the community and what it's grown into because it really has nothing to do with Jay and Jeff any longer, right? It's kind of taken mm-hmm. on a, a world of its own. I think just the members and the content and the value that you get out of it. If you had to go one place and you're in this world of success and support and CX, I think it's a great resource and tool. It really is. And I can say that without hesitation. It's a very good one. If there was one person, and it doesn't have to be in support and success, just you get to take one person out for a coffee or a cocktail, depending on the time of day and and the mood, I guess, and get to pick their brain about what makes them great. Who would it be? Jeff Bezos. You you answered that very quickly. I did. He's like, he's, I don't know. There is something about man who starts Amazon in like his one room basement with like a whiteboard and has, you know, around books and then has grown it into the largest e-commerce retailer in the world. Like, I, I don't know. I, I want to go, I want to go talk to him. I want to know how my packages get here same day. Like I have questions about logistics and operations and process. Like, I don't know. It's remarkable. <laughs> no, I, he, it's, it's remarkable. I can't think of another, it's not even business, just entity in the world in history that has taken cost centers and turned them into profit drivers. So like they were looking at their hosting costs and the, and just, you know, the infrastructure to run amazon.com, that's a cost. We're like, well, we're going to turn it into AWS. And and then they look at like, well, we've, we got all these customers. We're shipping this crap all over the world. Let's, that's a huge, you know what? Let's just make a logistics company inside of, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like literally the only thing they've really sort of, fail that was the phone that they tried to do no and, and i've got my I'm, i don't want to say the a word because there's one sitting on my desk in front of me and i don't want to wake it wake it up but that product's a little wackadoodle but yeah no he has built something remarkable and i think he gets a lot of flack for being who he is but like i, I agree with you and, and he'd be a fun one and if you get to sort of have this you know if we're going to play make-believe and like that I can get an hour of his time, an hour of his time's worth what? However many millions of dollars. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, like it, it, it's a price. When we talk about time as a currency. Like, I mean, he is the time as a currency. <laughs> well, but there's, I think there's a, a lesson there that all of us can sort of fold into our, and, I, and I'm not suggesting people get too overconfident or, or sort of bullies here, but like, if you want to take an hour of Jeff Bezos, Tim Cook, Elon Musk, if you want to take an hour of these people's time, it better be <laughs> like it needs to be a multi hundreds of millions of dollar thing that you need to. You know what I mean? Like it. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, listen, I wouldn't walk into that, that cup of coffee without probably weeks or months of planning. <laughs> How am I going to make the best use of that one hour? Right. That would be the most hopefully the most important 30 you know 60 minutes of my life professionally yeah i don't but, I, but, I don't even know where i would start my line of questioning to be honest justin i have so many places i want to take it yeah well if i ever get him on this podcast christy i'll uh <laughs> just share the episode i'll be sure to, i'll tune in <laughs> i'll email you first and see if see if you have any suggestions on my first question christy this has been a, a fun conversation thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us if people want to learn more about client success or yourself where should they go to find it out 
Absolutely. So I would say two places to go on me. You can check out my website, as you mentioned earlier, Keeping CS Simple. It's going to have all of you know the information about me, about the things that I'm sharing and talking about, a ton of resources. So I think really just great plug for the community. Client success, if you're interested in having a solution, a simple, easy to use solution that's going to help you streamline your customer success management, head over to clientsuccess.com. Tons of information, or you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. Thank you so much, Christy, for coming on the Support Automation Show, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks, Justin. You too. The Support Automation Show is brought to you by Capacity. Visit Capacity.com to find everything you need for automating support and business processes in one powerful platform. You can find the show by searching for Support Automation in your favorite podcast app. Please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Capacity, thanks for listening.